0: We're live. It's on. It's happening. Is it? It's happening. Welcome to episode one hundred and seven. It's the episode we've all been waiting for, Political Schmucks Podcast. Uh, it is when? No, it's not even close to Wednesday. It's, it's the Friday. Observed Veterans Day. Day, Marine Corps Birthday. Hurrah! Uh, November ten. Today's year is two thousand seventeen, but the Marine Corps was born in seventeen seventy five, a year before the United States. No big deal. Just a fact. Uh, That's all. That's all for that fun fact. Welcome to the welcome to the pod, and uh, we're gonna drop some knowledge on you.
1: We will. Uh, as As a reminder to all of our listeners, uh, politics schmucks is our Twitter handle. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook, and please remember to uh, give us a little ranking on iTunes or wherever
0: you listen to this podcast. Yeah, we got one organic. Really, just delightful. One hundred organics. I mean, the review was just it was probably the kindest thing anybody's ever said about me.
1: Ever. No one has ever ranked us less than five stars, and that's what well, we now think of ourselves the listeners and, to
0: just take a steaming dump on us. Thanks. If
1: they don't think we're worth five stars, they shouldn't give us five stars. I don't agree
0: with that. I need to be validated constantly. All right. Well, we're going to start with everybody's favorite topic, cocktail talk. Cocktail talk. Hey, have you heard? We're starting out in North America. Uh, so
1: I'm going to start out and say, uh, hey, Zach, hey, have you heard? Lonzo Ball sucks at basketball. <laughs> Lonzo Ball, the, uh, the number two pick of the NBA draft, came in with a bunch of hype. ESPN blew him up for him versus Kyrie versus the Celtics game the other night. Uh, the kid's shooting uh, 22% from deep, 29% from the field, and a, a, a wide, a great, a phenomenal 50% from the
0: free throw stripe. Yeah, the big baller brand is more like the bitch boy brand at this point. It's literally all it is and his his little brothers in jail right now in China. So <laughs> Ball Ball
1: family's taking some serious Ls. Ugh.
0: I I don't have any issues with this whatsoever. Good riddance to them. Big uh little bitch brand. Let's let's head south to our dear cousins in South America, specifically Brazil. Hey, have you heard Rossi Oliveira? won a very heated and at times controversial Miss Bum Bum 2017 crown. One contestant had to submit a butt x-ray to confirm authenticity of said butt. Did she pass? She passed. Good for her. Other butts were, they capped all butts at something like 107 centimeters of girthularness or some, some such fact. They cap it? They capped it, which seems like... They're, it's they're, like weight classes, to be fair, though. No, because they don't I do know. classes. It's just everybody goes into the ring and drops that bum-bum. Anyway, and then they had other contestants who were kicked out of the competition for hacking the voting system to win like their regionals to make it to like the Miss Bum-Bum finals. Were they Russian? I, I was hoping you were going to make that joke. They were not Russian, but they almost certainly had Russian support. Um, the one you're also Glad. called out the current, current president upon getting her a chance at the microphone. So Miss Bum Bum 2017 apparently was some can't miss TV. Where are we heading next? Oh, jump in the pond, heading straight to Europe. Hey, have you heard? Sweden had a little issue on the radio the other day. Um, They were broadcasting their typical Swedish pop music, the finest pop music around, and when somebody hijacked the station without them knowing and spent 30 minutes broadcasting an ISIS recruiting song. This is a song found in... uh, many ISIS recruiting videos that have you know, been used to bring people into Iraq and Syria. So we should now be on the lookout for blonde-haired, blue-eyed ISIS members. Where to next? Africa, no? Heading south to Africa, across the Med. Hey, have you heard that Africa's best police
1: service is that of Botswana? I've not heard this. They're ranked 47th in the world. Number one in Africa, though. Ooh. So we are looking out for Botswana. Uh, after Botswana... Wait, Rwanda, Rwanda.
0: Where's South Africa?
1: 50th in the world. Algeria, 58th in the world. Senegal, 68th in the world. Tunisia, 72nd in the world. Uh, then it rounds out the rest of Africa. Does not include their order in world rankings, though. Can I so I can only assume they're low. Uh, Egypt, Burkina Faso, Ghana, South Africa, and Mali. So South Africa's right on top of Mali, but still the second worst in Africa. That's wild. So that's that that's what you've heard in Africa.
0: Yeah. We're going to uh, head from Africa to the Middle East, the, the bastion of civilization. Uh, yeah, the, the birthplace of civilization, no? Uh,
1: but what the World Bank has recently learned from satellite imagery is that uh, ISIS sucked at oil production. <laughs> Turns out a bunch of ragtag uh, terrorists couldn't figure out how to pump a bunch of oil out of the gas, even in Iraq and Syria. It just comes up out of the dirt there. So pretty much uh, what the World Bank was able to conclude from their analysis was that the entire number of barrels produced by ISIS from the beginning of the caliphate in 2014 until the fall of the the caliphate uh, recently was uh, roughly 80,000 barrels total. And that's essentially what the UAE produces in 10 days.
0: This is a little lesson in economies of scale. Just yeah. general, so, you know, so so not a lot of knowing how lot, to do something. Not a lot
1: of engineers, which surprises me. A lot of the 9/11 hijackers, engineers. Mm.
0: They they lost all their engineers in the attack. Oh, the old
1: <laughs> ninety, yeah, all of them. Oh. They took out the Too took soon. out the Too high soon. potential
0: employees of Al Qaeda. Yeah, Mohammed Atta was. They needed him for the oil stuff this time. <laughs> they wish they had him. Idiots. Yeah, idiots. All right. Well, let's head to the motherland now, and our our dear friends in Russia. Hey, have you heard? 60 years ago this past week, the former Soviet Socialist Republic launched a stray dog named Laika into outer space, trying to study the effects of space on living things. Laika, unfortunately, did not survive reentry, as the Soviets hadn't figured out the technology behind that, and she burned up on reentry. I mean, if this is not a greater example of like the differences between like Americans and Russians— we have like kennels where we like try and like recycle dogs back into society or like, you know, dog pounds. The Russians just scoop them up and launch them into space on rockets. Knowing that they don't yeah, have the knowing technology. Knowing they're not coming back. That's how they deal with overpopulation. They just launch you into space and go, eh, we'll burn up on reentry. Yeah, they're, they're very good at
1: exit of the atmosphere, much less
0: so <laughs> on reentry. Oh, man.
1: Uh, back down into Asia now, right? Asia, we're heading uh, to Asia. Hey, have you heard that Donald Trump is nowhere near the craziest fucking president <laughs> on this planet? Uh, Thailand's president, not Thailand's president. Philippines, the Philippines president. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of Asia talk recently. <laughs> uh, recently, I admitted to killing
0: people. You, can you know, do you know his name? Yeah, Rodrigo Duterte. All
1: yeah, right yeah so he uh so he was on in an interview and said that he uh killed a person he quote uh speaking of his past when he was roughly sixteen ish of age uh said one fight there another here at the ages eight at the age of sixteen I killed someone a person really
0: during a fight it was a stabbing <laughs> I mean who hasn't had an intimate murder at their 16th birthday? So
1: so Donald Trump had his Hollywood Access tape where he talked about groping women against their will. This guy just literally just on TV just admitted
0: to just killing someone Sta- no, to stabbing someone. Also, I love that he did the uh I killed I killed somebody. A person. A person. Okay. I don't know who what I thought that was understood, but And this, this is the
1: same person that is essentially like legalized the killing of human beings for drug violations. Meanwhile, he's Murdering people,
0: terrible. Anyway, let's uh, keep going south, jump the ocean to Oceania. Ah, the hey, best. have you heard? There's literally nothing going on in Oceania. It's That's boring as true. shit. That's not true. There's like koalas having sex with kangaroos. I didn't find anything that interesting. Rugby. Next topic. No, no, nothing. Yeah,
1: have you? Heard, do you know that koalas are like nasty animals? I have never encountered a koala. No, it's a, it's a. You we have a thing a, that, we, that I feel we like we both, both know the same person, and uh, that person has shared a koala story to us. Yeah, well, at least to me. You haven't heard that story. I don't think I heard that. Essentially, the koala like entered the family home and proceeded to rape the family cat.
0: <laughs> I mean, co- I'm not rape. <laughs> I'm not laughing at a rape story. It's 2017. No, yeah, koalas are apparently like nasty <laughs> They're animals. Rapists. Yeah. No, no fucking Netflix specials for any koalas. Well. There's your, there's your, hey, have you heard? Koalas are rapists. Ugh. Well, that leaves us with one thing left, and that's wild card.
2: Wild card, bitches! Yee-haw!
0: Hey, have you heard? <laughs> Former national security advisor Mike Flynn and his dumpster diving son, whose name My- is Michael G. Flynn. <laughs> yeah, the G for fucking, I don't know, for dumbass. Gangster. No, no, the G is for dumbass. Um, in December 2016 bef- after the election before uh, Trump was sworn into office we're communicating with the Turkish government to plan an extraordinary rendition of what's the guy's name Fazula Gulan Fazula Gulan no, Fatula Fatula Gulan Fatulin Gulan All right you said it that's fine everybody gets it a turkish guy who's in the states who the he had, he had claimed political asylum years to ago. leave Turkey. Years and ago. And he was granted residency and permanent right. status in the U.S. Right. And so there was the coup attempt last year. The Turks blame him for this. Which is spurious. Right. So they were going to pay Mikey Flynn and his son $15 million to straight kidnap a person. Well, put, put, him on a resident. A, put him on a private jet. And mail him to their... Out, essentially, they were like Prison Island. They're Skull Island. If you kidnap someone, are you putting them on a private jet? Not me. I'm putting the cargo hold of like a FedEx, Southwest flight. Right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, although if you're going to get flown out there and you're gonna like literally get your head lopped off the second you hit the tarmac, maybe you have a little gesture of like, you yeah, know, this is this is the, the guy that cocktail. has like
1: legit charges against him in Turkey. This is a dude that
0: would get murdered the second he landed. Yeah, it would be a very fun night in the showers for him. And uh, that's around the world in about ten minutes. It's cocktail talk. Hope Clink, you enjoyed. Now, now you know. Now you know. Now you know. The more you know.
1: So next on successful. to uh, a little bit of an update on a podcast that we had a few episodes ago the uh, the Fat Leonard scandal.
0: Look at me, I'm a big fat slob.
2: I've got bigger titties than you do. I've got more chins than a Chinese phone book. I've not seen my Willie in two years, which is long enough to declare legally dead. I can't stop eating. I eat because I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy because I eat.
0: Yeah, so let's talk Fat Leonard. You know, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me asking, hey, Zach, what happened to Fat Leonard? I'm so interested in this. You know, besides the fact that you could fucking Google it, uh, I I will Google it for you and tell you. Um, There has been an update. Now. As of now, there are 60 additional admirals under active investigation as a result of this um, scandal. And that's about a third of the entire command, like senior command staff of the fucking Navy. In addition to that, there's another 380 naval personnel who are under investigation for this. No details are being released. I mean, at some point, I'm waiting to hear that, like, he commandeered submarines and was having, like, he was baking submarines with, like, weed, you know. 5,000 feet below water or something. I mean, the, the party's on the break. Yeah, I mean, Fat Leonard must have had yet. some
1: terrific like, like baked goods or something because he literally had, yeah, as had we now Philippine know, horse. a good portion of the entire
0: Navy under his,
1: his command, if you will.
0: <laughs> the true commander-in-chief of the 7th Fleet was Fat Leonard. <sighs> a rotund. A rotund who <laughs> probably is not as— I, I, What The update I want is what's his weight right now. There's no way he's 350 still sitting in a jail. There's no I way am, he can I'm curious. So you just see like like on
1: like late at night, like the lockup, right? On yeah. like MSNBC or CNBC. There's still fat people in jail, which I totally that, don't really understand.
0: That's probably the like for the sugar bar, the canteen where they can go buy like Pop Rocks. Isn't that what they eat in prison, Pop Rocks?
1: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure Pop Rocks are available in commissaries <laughs> in prison. But well, I, don't I like know. to think I that Leonard's
0: getting himself in shape. Everybody's impressed with his new washboard abs.
1: Ten more push-ups every day.
0: Every day at ten. Good As, for him. So that's your Fat Leonard update. Now we're on to uh, the recent not-really-conviction
1: sort of punishment of uh, one Mr. Bo Bergdahl. Bo Bergdahl decided uh, late later the night in Afghanistan to uh, leave all his shit or had already mailed his shit back to the United States of
0: America and chose to
1: just... Get off post. Go stroll around Afghanistan at night.
0: A lot of nice scenery. You got to see what's going on. Hey, defense in depth. You get outside of your position. You know you your walk, enemy. You walk the space. You know the dead spaces. You know the avenues of approach. That's probably what he was doing, except that's not at all what he was doing.
1: So he got rolled up by the Taliban, right? And then he uh,
0: was captive for a number of years. He was captive for like five years, four of which he spent in a cage with diarrhea. And he well was deserved.
1: promoted by the U.S. military the whole time. He was not paying rent to the Taliban, so his uh, his direct deposit was just a pure profit.
0: Whew. Uh, Special
1: Forces ended up exchange, or cap, or recapturing him or saving him. And... Um, the U.S. exchanged a bunch of prisoners for him.
0: Five five senior Taliban commander, politician people were released into Qatar. And
1: President Obama held a, a ceremony with uh,
0: the Bergdahl parents. That was a bad look. It had his dad looking like a fucking member of the Taliban.
1: He was, and he was speaking Arabic. And then it kind of came out over the next few months that Bo Bergdahl might not have just been captured, but might have been... Uh, in military tribunal stance, uh, misbehaving before the enemy.
0: Yeah. Dereliction of duty. So he, he, it's been a long, long road. He pleaded guilty and essentially he was reduced in rank and kicked out of the army with time served, which is a remarkably light and insulting sentence. I, yeah, I can't even like almost I can't So, so at,
1: at the trial there were there were you know former and I believe a, at least a few current military members that were responsible for trying to rescue this person, right, who mm-hmm. who was presumed to be captured by enemy forces. And so the US mil- military, you know, never never leaving a man behind, really went balls to the wall and dispatched not only ground forces but special forces to go figure out where the fuck this guy was and save him. Um, without really understanding that he might have volunteered himself up for capture.
0: So here's here's actually one way to think about this.
1: People um, were hurt
0: and people were killed and killed um, trying to save this individual. So here here's one way to sort of like say, how, what do I compare this to? So today, I think, uh, a Marine gunnery sergeant was sentenced to 10 years in the brig, reduced from, uh, what is this gun he is, like E-7, E-6, E-7, um it's like Bruce, you were in the marine corps or something uh-huh yeah he was in the marine corps for 15 years reduced from e7 to e1 so he went from a gunnery sergeant to a private he's gonna spend 10 years in the brig and he's gonna when he gets out he's gonna get dishonorable discharge right pretty solid uh conviction and he was convicted of hazing uh recruits pretty badly at paris island okay if if this guy and one of those recruits died. It's not clear. It, I don't think he killed him. It doesn't look like that, but he might have like pushed him too far and the kid committed suicide and certainly a tragedy. But comparing that to what Bo Bergdahl did, how the fuck does Bo Bergdahl only get time served well, in the, in the, in the best equate, I mean, so, so that example is, you know, what you
1: would expect out of the military justice system. And then the, the whole other end of the spectrum of someone getting punished way too light, right, was the Bradley Manning, who just voluntarily sent classified information to WikiLeaks, was presumed to be getting arrested, got a sex change, became Chelsea Manning, and then got, received a commutation for President Obama.
0: I mean, the ultimate power move. You want to get out of jail? Switch your gender. I mean like that, the 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 well, the way it felt and came across was from the president essentially the way I felt and sort of interpreted the pardon in his and his um language around it was Manning had suffered enough. The suffering that was associated with this gender issue that sucks, but that has nothing to do with the decisions you made to fucking betray your country. Yeah, whether you're a guy or a girl. Yeah, I don't care who you are like you have to pay for that, in spite of whatever other. If you got a fucking ear infection, I don't care. That has nothing to do with this. Um, you have a gender, you know, issue. Fine, like that. You don't get a get out of jail. Well, in this case, I guess you do get a get out of jail free card. And maybe, I mean, if this is a whole ruse, Bo Bergdahl just pulled the ultimate power move because he got out of jail without having to swap his gender.
1: Right. No. Yeah. Totally. So so Bradley Manning uh, cut his dick off, became uh, Chelsea Manning, and essentially got commuted by President former President Obama. Uh... However, Bo Bergdahl did not take the same path and effectively got the same leniency. So, I think there's one one punishment that fits the both of them. Now that both of them don't have to serve meaningful jail time, it is they need to marry each other.
0: It's that's perfect. it. It's a, they it's deserve a, one another. They to can betray each other left and heaven. right, and it would that's the only that's the only logical solution to this. Uh, they the two of them are born now to end up together. So let's make that happen, people. And a uh
1: now on to a totally unrelated but still incredibly uh entertaining event uh, that happened on
0: Reddit the other day. There's a lot of entertaining events on Reddit.
1: Uh this one has to do with our friend Bill Nye the science guy.
0: Bill, Bill, Bill Nye the, Bill science, Lye,
1: guy.
2: the science Guy. Mm.
1: Uh, so uh, Bill and I had a uh, AMA, which apparently he is he has done multiple times. Uh, unfortunately, got a just a last <laughs> just, just AMAs are high crushed. risk. Rushed.
0: I mean, AMAs are high risk in general by an individual. You, you wouldn't think you would think of like if somebody's doing an AMA and it's kind of, it should be safe. You would think. Bill Nye would be kind of a safe guy to do an AMA, but apparently not. No, no, no. So 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 this individual who responded to to Bill's AMA
1: clearly like is the kid who always wanted to be a scientist and was forced to watch a bunch of Bill Nye's science guy videos in like elementary school, but then learned that Bill Nye might not have the qualifications that most scientists do. Um so so we're going to cut out a few uh, excerpts from this just Again, this guy just got, Bill and I got murdered by this guy. Uh, Starts with, uh, hi, Bill. I have a great way you can start. Stop pretending you're a scientist. You have no formal science education beyond a bachelor's in mechanical engineering from Cornell. That's it. Not even a master's degree let alone a doctorate. You literally have no formal science education or experience beyond an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering you obtained back in the 1970s. The truth is, the whole science guy persona emerged out of a stand-up comedy routine you used to perform on local public ac- access TV back in the 1980s.
0: One evidence, here you go. And the guy <laughs> posts four YouTube videos of Bill he's at, Meanwhile, he's just eviscerating people's childhoods, right? Like, now I'm learning that Bill Nye was a failed stand-up comic who became the face of science in America. Oh, man.
1: For, like, a generation of You spent years parading around in a lab coat, but for all intents and purposes, you're a talented actor, comedian, with an opinion, and that's about it. Want some peer review? Here you go. (laughs) If I walked around in scrubs, hung a stethoscope around my neck, and called myself the medicine guy, I would be considered a complete fraud. (laughs) True. It's also true. You are to science what Bessie Devos is to education. Perhaps worse, your fraud has spanned decades; hers, only a few months. And that, thats
0: damning. I mean, I, that's a knowledge bomb for me. I didn't know that Bill Nye was. I want to see some Bill Nye. Stand-up. He's a
1: mechanical engineer. Like that's that is that is a you know science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Sure, and that is not science, right? That is no. the E in STEM. That is not the S.
0: That was a very astute observation. That was good. That was good. You like that? I did like that. All right. Uh, So
1: uh, to finish out this guy's notes, you have allowed the illusion to persist for decades that you are an expert on science issues in the public eye and have undoubtedly made a pretty good living off of this deception. Worse, instead of saying, well, truth is I'm not an expert, but I can defer to someone who is, you have placed yourself squarely in the middle of purposeful scientific debate on important issues. As 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 hard as it is to stomach, science is about honesty, Bill. If you want to save the world, start with yourself. I think people would be more welcoming of someone owning up to past mistakes and misrepresentations than welcoming of a guy who continues trying to perpetuate a
0: decades-long fraud.
1: Ooh. Bill not the Science Guy is Wait, fake but here's news. The question. Here's, he here's, is
0: fake news. Here's the question. Did Bill respond? Uh,
1: Bill did not respond to this particular one, and I have a feeling from this guy's, like, <laughs> insistence and, like, Citing of youtube videos of bill on public access tv from the 1980s we got a stalker that he probably has win at bill multiple times on ams so good for this guy
0: bill's got a guy i love it uh, but at least we,
1: we should know that all you teachers out there should no longer uh do the whole uh bill nine the science guy in
0: class i don't know i'm still a bill Nye guy he taught me how to like make those little lava mountains in your kitchen so
1: yeah well because he's a mechanical engineer
0: well, that was oh, like that, that was sense. chemistry. That, that, that was that. the like pour the no. baking soda into the thing and then, like, no, you know, just not, just it, not it spills down the thing. Don't ruin my childhood. All right. Well, before we jump into our next topic, we got to take a break for our sponsor. And it's rather appropriate because it's a kind of heavy topic. And heavy topics can make you sad. But you know what will make you glad? Zoloft, the ultimate drug in keeping that smile on your face even when you're losing the rat race. Zoloft
2: you know when you feel the weight of sadness you may feel exhausted hopeless and anxious whatever you do you feel lonely and don't enjoy the things you once loved things just don't feel like they used to these are some symptoms of depression a serious medical condition affecting over 20 million Americans while the cause is unknown depression may be related to an imbalance of natural chemicals between nerve cells in the brain Prescription Zoloft works to correct this imbalance.
0: All right, and we're back. Let's talk about guns. You know, we debated whether or not we'd dip our toe into this pool, given that, like, everything you say now is just so supercharged and the fact that we actually are recording things and putting it on the Internet, which is probably stupid. Um, But this is a topic that I think is interesting and relevant, and in the scale of controversial topics, probably shouldn't be that controversial a topic to discuss. So... We wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about guns today. Obviously, there's been a lot of you know, tragedies as a result of firearms, so it seems rather appropriate.
1: It is, no, and, and certainly we understand that, that those are sensitive to some people and will continue to be so in
0: the future. But. And T's and P's to the, to the families uh, who are struggling with those losses and those injuries.
1: But we, we felt that the most appropriate use of, of what we do here is that we could... Speak to our personal experiences, doing something that maybe all of our listeners have not, and also uh, looking up and researching some statistics and facts and data that are often missing from the public debate on gun control and gun, le- gun legislation today so so I, I can speak you know personally first as as a as a gun owner, kind of my process how how I went through. Purchasing firearms, what the requirements are of me, what the FBI and
0: and the gun store has been required to do kind of collaboratively. So before you do that, which is really important, let's just put a little gun bio for each of us because I think it's interesting where we come from on this topic. Okay. So why don't you talk for a second about your sort of gun biography?
1: Yeah, so 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 I was born in North Carolina North Carolina, grew up in Indiana, uh have have shotguns pretty much forever. Um, I haven't recently, I, until recently I haven't owned my personal firearms, but I've always, always shotguns. And it was part of growing up and something to do on the weekends outdoors with friends and family.
0: Right. And then you lived in Indiana, same thing. Right. Right. So two kind of gun common, the South and the Midwest, right. Gun common communities. Right. So I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, I never touched a gun. I didn't know anybody who had a gun for that matter. Um, the first time I touched a gun was an M16 at OCS in Quantico.
1: Did it jam a lot?
0: Well, you didn't shoot it. And, and the first time, I actually, vividly, I remember the first time I pulled the trigger with a blank, I thought I was going to die of happiness. It was like, this is a blank. I was shooting blanks at, at trees in the woods, and I grabbed the barrel and burned my hand like an idiot. And then the first time I actually shot a live round was at the basic school, again with an M16, I don't know, like a year and a half later. So, you know, I didn't grow up with guns. I didn't, I mean, the closest I came with a gun was like rolling around in the front yard with a Nerf gun. Like, it just wasn't a thing. Um, And the reason I think that's relevant and important is so much of the discussion in the public arena today, I believe, I don't know if I'm right, but I believe is two sides that don't know each other that are bringing radically different backgrounds to the table and they don't acknowledge or respect either side. And I actually think Dylan and I, in a way, sort of represent those two backgrounds.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's interesting because we both have used firearms, but, but in terms of the, the discovery of firearms are very different, right? I, I went out and actually bought a gun, used a gun, grew up shooting guns. You chose to serve in the military, and, and that's what brought you to use guns. So, so again, so the, at least in the process, in my experience, right, which is unique to every state, very different in every state, but the states in which I have purchased firearms, um, you go to a gun store, Right, and you you pick out your weapon, you're met in the same just like you're at a Best Buy, right? The guy's a salesman, he's there to explain differences, features, everything, just like a TV. Um, you know, you pick your gun, pick pick what you want to want to purchase, and then before you're able to pay for the gun, they have to do what is called a an kick database search, essentially they They call the FBI for an instant background check. That background check searches a variety of things that's been modified by legislation over the years. But essentially what it's it's getting at is, you know, if you've been convicted of domestic violence, assault, any felony charge, um, and, a, and a variety of other things to essentially certify that from the U.S. government's perspective, from a federal perspective, you are allowed to, to purchase a gun, What's useful about this is it's really a not a burdensome requirement. You fill out about one page worth of paperwork that takes about three to four minutes. They call a phone number. They provide, you know, as the gun store um, that has a federal firearms license, an FFL, to sell guns. They call a phone number. They provide your name, your address, your social security number. And then about 90 seconds later... You get a, a yay or nay. There's also a kind of a hold answer that can happen, um, but it's it's relatively rare. So essentially you get a thumbs up, thumbs down in 90 seconds. So the whole process takes five to six minutes. And, and that is the kind of requirement that I think when people talk about universal background checks, most Americans support.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the statistics are overwhelmingly in favor of that, and it's and and as as an, as someone that has used that process,
1: I assure you, it is not burdensome in any way.
0: You know, and the interesting thing is, the people who push back against it, it's like anything else. If you if you just dismiss an argument that you don't like without acknowledging any of the parts of it that are legitimate, you almost you undermine your own point. And so, and what I mean by that is, for example. Right, we have these background checks in these databases, and anybody who's ever dealt with data or databases knows it's garbage in and garbage out. So, the tragedy that just happened in Texas, right? Part of the reason this guy, this happened, and that's not to say it's counterfactual to say if he had been on this list, he wouldn't have gotten a gun, but part of the reason he got the gun he got was because the Nate or the Air Force failed to enter his information into the database that would have pinged when he went to the store. So, the database works fine, but if you 've got human you 've got human error entering data into the database, you end up with a, with a you know a failed procedure now that in and of itself is not a good argument to say um, don't do it at all, but it is one of the arguments that people make against databases to say they don 't work and instead of just throwing, sort of overreacting to that Response, I think there's truth in that. Like this tragedy is an example of the fact that that system failed and it does need to be made better. And just adding more legislation, adding new legislation, these are not light switches that we can throw that will miraculously solve these problems. We can't be lazy about this. And I feel like, you know, the debate has become a bunch of people being incredibly lazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, because essentially we're dealing with, with two laws, right? When we talk about legislation and everything that's going through Congress, right,
0: the, the underpinning of federal
1: requirements regarding guns stems back to, to two pieces of legislation. The first one is the National Firearms Act of 1934. Note that year, 1934. And then the Gun Control Act of 1968. Both have been amended and interpreted and, and changed over the years. But, but underpinning, again, all federal law requiring firearms is a law created in 1934 and a law created in 1986. The the national firearms act um, was designed to essentially make it difficult to obtain certain types of firearms that were perceived at the time, again, in 1934 to be chosen weapons of gangsters. And when we're talking gangsters, we're talking like John Dillinger, right? These are, this is very long ago. Um, The law not only regulates machine guns, and short barrel long guns, but it also regulates things like uh, like pen guns and cane guns and belt buckle guns, right? Stuff that like is truly out of the movies. Um, so it, so it prevented the the actual ownership by private citizens of notably machine guns. Machine guns are automatic firearms, um, and an automatic firearm is often kind of misunderstood. So so when people say an AR-15. That is a semi-automatic weapon. It is not an automatic weapon. The difference being that, that an automatic weapon um, can automatically fire more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger, which is which is a big difference, right? So AR-15s require a trigger pull for every equal and opposite reaction. For a bullet to exit the barrel, you have to pull the trigger. So what the, what the what the National you know Firearms Act does is essentially prohibit the ownership of those those automatic weapons. The exception being that anything manufactured before a certain period in time is essentially grandfathered in. Um, but it's a relatively small number of um, firearms across the U S and there's some really onerous uh, ownership requirements that are placed upon those weapons. And they're mostly geared around owning antique weapons and and such.
0: We haven't exactly had a problem with people taking Tommy guns into town. So, right,
1: right. So the, uh, so the next one is the gun control act of 1968. And that, that purpose was essentially to require all persons that manufactured, imported, or sold firearms as a business to be federally licensed. So essentially if, if your business was selling guns, you had to register with the federal government. And, and what that what that piece of legislation required is once you register with the uh, the federal government, you are a federally firearmed license, licensor. So you are an FFL. And once you are an FFL, what's interesting about this is you are required to run a background check that everyone that purchases a gun from you has to have a background check ran on them, right? So... The, the the interesting thing with gun shows today is that most people selling guns at gun shows are actually gun stores, right? It's just like Amazon selling everywhere. Now gun stores are everywhere. They're getting bigger. They're at gun stores. They're not only brick and mortar. So even if you buy a gun at a gun show, if you buy it from someone whose principal business is selling firearms you have to get a background check ran on you. So that, so that gun show loophole is not nearly as large today as it was originally. Because again, most gun shows are populated by actual gun stores, which if you hold an FFL, if your business is selling guns, you have to run a background check on individuals.
0: Keep dropping knowledge on us. I, oh, mean, I am, I am. I mean, look, let's pause for a second here and say, I think there's, there's a... As, when, I ob- when I observe the way people react to these issues, especially after um, tragedies, one of the things that's very difficult for me to, to wrap my head around, and I think this leads into your next point, is the ease with which people think this is just a matter of fixing legislation. This is a matter of writing another law. And that is such a lazy way to think about it. I'm not saying I don't support more legislation. I'm not saying I don't support more law. But I also don't like the idea that people are just like, that's the answer. And, and if you question it or if you want to learn more about it, you're dismissed for not falling in line. You're, you're labeled in a certain way. And to me, it comes back to this. There's, a, there's sort of a sickness in our society today, a laziness, um, where people don't want to think. And I think, you know, how much of this gun violence is about legislative issues versus cultural issues and and individual accountability? You know, I think one of the ways that this is mirrored right now is you look at um, Congress's approval rating, all-time lows, and for good reason. Congress is a bunch of fucking idiots and just ridiculous behavior. But when you start peeling the numbers back and you look at congressmen when they're scored individually by their by their voters, it doesn't bear out the same way. People generally are very happy with it. Which I like my guy, my I guy don't is like good, the rest of them. Which goes directly to this syndrome that I named. Everybody's fucked up but me syndrome, right? Everybody else is wrong but me. And when we take that attitude into really delicate and important critical discussions, we get nowhere. We right. get nowhere.
1: And I, I mean, it was interesting to see. I mean, we, we stumbled across one article from some of the works of Five Thirty Eight. you know, Nate Silver's outfit, who went into kind of a statistical analysis of gun violence and gun control policy um, with the stated kind of initial bias that you know, she thought that the national rifle association association, the NRA was blocking common sense gun control and that this was easy and this could be fixed. Um, from a statistical background, she kind of surprised herself and realized that this is a very diverse issue that has a number of potential policy remedies, but each remedy only addresses a small portion of the overall much larger problem. Um, in a similar way, when we started, you know, Zach and I started looking at kind of data information and statistics, you know, I, I found a few pieces of data that really kind of spoke to me as someone that has always kind of treated this issue as, you know, it's not the issue. You know, guns aren't the issue. It's the people that shoot the guns are the issue. Um, but there are there are a number of statistics that surprised me um, that said, well, maybe people are more easily accessing more deadly pieces of weaponry. Um, and, and principally, it was kind of if you look at mass shootings. This is from a Congressional Research Service report. Essentially, if you if you sum the, the the you know the victims killed and the victims wounded to get to kind of a total casualty per incident from 1999 to 2003, when assault weapons were banned, it was 5.7 people, you know, killed or wounded per incident. Um, if you take the four years after that, 2004 to eight, which is when the assault weapons ban ended. So essentially people could own semi-automatic assault weapons. Um, it, it increased relatively minorly from 5.7 to 5.9. So there's not a big uptick there. So not a whole lot of information or usefulness, right. in the assault weapons ban to, to, to the eye at that point. But then from 2009 to 13, the next four year period, the total number of victims killed or wounded per mass shooting incident increased to 7.2, right? So all of a sudden, it's an increase of kind of 30, 30 or 40%. So why are more people being shot at a mass shooting event, right? And and it's only reasonable to assume that has something to do with the, the piece of hardware they're using. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and it's a good question. But at the
1: same time, again, like I said, so, so someone from Leah, Leah Libresco out of uh, 538 said that she had researched strictly tight gu- tightened gun laws in Britain, Australia, and concluded that they did not prove much about what America's policies should be. Uh, neither Britain uh, or Australia experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to buybacks and bans in those countries. So essentially, they never really had the level of gun violence in those countries so the the kind of the arcane, in Americans' eyes, kind of buybacks and total prohibition on firearms that those countries instituted didn't have a meaningful statistical impact on violence with guns in those countries. Um, and in terms of, you know, other gun-related crimes there was virtually no change. Um, so people who did commit cr- crimes in Australia with Britain and guns before continued to still commit crimes in those countries with guns.
0: I-, I think one of the things that's really important in this article aren't necessarily the conclusions that she draws, although those in and themselves are great. And I hi- highly recommend this article. We'll tweet it out um, because it-, it distills a lot of really interesting data uh, into a very easily digestible format but more that she's upfront with sort of putting out her biases and then owning owning the way her position evolved. intellectual honesty, right? And that's that's where we're absent. And in particular for me, that's where the NRA I think is troublesome. Not because I I disagree at time, not because I haven't disagreement with them at times about whether or not legislation is the appropriate remedy. But I, I don't think that they're intellectually honest in the way they present their case often. And right. and that's what and and when you when you can kind of call out your own position right and demonstrate that that honesty, it allows others to do the same. It, it takes this away from being a you know one point for me, one point for them discussion versus the we're all trying in theory to get to the same place. Well, and
1: what's crazy for me is the NRA has some actual statistics on their side, just like I read out you know mm-hmm. you know some increasing levels of lethality over the years that would be a point or an argument of the you know the gun control advocates but the NRA has a number of actually grounded statistics that you know could drive meaningful changes in policy that are useful towards the safety of american citizens but they choose to just take the furthest position that's not grounded in data at all it's just I'm going to throw out the most sensational argument and rally up everyone that's right. a member, right? So, I mean, from 1999 to 2013, assault rifles were only— which, again, assault rifles are always held up as the boogeyman, right? They were only used in 27% of public mass shooting events. So, essentially, every other time there was a public mass shooting event, something else was used. Whether that was a handgun, which no one ever talks about you know, prohibiting, whether that was a— Personal weapon, which is defined by the FBI as hands, fists, or feet, or knives. You know, so so again, we're talking that you know order of magnitude. The majority of mass shooting events are not essentially
0: perpetrated by assault rifles, right? And 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 it, it that's not to say that it's not a insignificant data point, right? It's more than a quarter of them. Right. The idea is you, you can kill more people more rapidly, right. in theory, uh, with an assault rifle from a greater distance, et cetera, et cetera. That's all. These things are valid, and it doesn't diminish the argument that hey, we should try and be better here. Right. And um, the and,
1: the, and the, I mean the Congressional Research Service in the reports even cites you know hey, these assault weapons certainly you know on you know on paper easier to shoot more rounds more quickly, but there's no data to back that up and that's their frustration is you don't know how many times a shooter reloaded mm-hmm. how many rounds they squeezed off, you know, squeezed off in, in what amount of time right? So, so the lack of data is really prohibiting any meaningful policy or meaningful discussion to happen instead both people just shoot to their own sides and say I'm right you're wrong and we need to ban firearms outright or we don't need to change anything at all and those are the two sides that everyone
0: takes which, which neither one is productive and neither one is, is right I mean, look, there's so many responsible gun owners out there. And this, this idea that, you know, this is as simple as, you know, just legislating a new rule or, or, or demonizing those who don't agree with you in either direction is just silly. Um, I come from a house that never had a gun in it. I come from a community that had no guns around. Um, It wasn't a part of my culture. Um, And, and. I, I was exposed to it in the military. I really, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I picked up, you know, clay shooting, hunting a little bit. I'm in, I'm going through the process of getting my license right now. Um, and there are parts of that process that I don't like. For example, you know, I had to go down to the police station, do an interview. That's great. That's fine. Make sure that I'm not crazy. I, I fully support that. But the the city of Boston arbitrarily restricts me from, uh, carrying a concealed weapon. But they'll allow somebody from another town who got a concealed carry license to carry a concealed weapon in Boston. So I'm sort of like the logic here is flawed, right? If, you, if you're if you trying to limit concealed weapons carry in the city because you want to maybe have police be in a safer position, then nobody should be able to do it. Unless you show me statistics that say that everybody in Boston stays in Boston, that's crazy. Well, it, no. It's illogical.
1: Even, yeah, I mean, within state, it's one thing, right? And in in intrastate, it's something entirely different. So as a gun owner in a different state, right, I have a concealed carry permit. That is acknowledged by a number of states, a majority of states, I believe it's 30 some states say that, you know, hey, your concealed carry license is good here. But it's not good in all states, right? So, So the discrepancy between ownership rights between states creates, you know, what I will say is confusion at best. And it's almost forcing people to violate law, you know, at worst. because it is not transparent. The laws are so different. They're so cumbersome in some states that, you know, if I go from state A to B, I can be fine with holding a gun. And if I go to state from B to C, I could be committing a felony. And, And placing that kind of disparity upon citizens isn't helpful, right? And it also makes you kind of Acquire your own stockpile in one state and say, Well, I'm safe here, which again, you know, people are owning seven, eight, nine, ten firearms. And it's like, Okay, well, why? Right.
0: Well, I mean, to that, to, you know, that stockpile question, part of it is the degree to which people, right. So let's say you have a president and they come out and they support some type of legislation in guns. I don't care what it is. Let's just say it's the most mild legislation supported by an overwhelming number of people, according to statistics, uh, polls. Immediately, the NRA comes out and says that. The, per, the president's trying to take your guns, and the president can say, "I am not taking your guns," and uh, they're labeled a liar, just outright liar. Now I know people go, "Well, you know, the pres- Obama said he, you you couldn't, you could keep your doctor, and you couldn't." Well, yes, but I don't think that was an outright deceptive statement so much as a uh, things, the complications of the situation shook out. I was like, "Wow, and, and- in this case, you couldn't do it."
1: Right. And and this this is where, you know, I you know, I hope that that people recognize and and look at data and facts and, and recognize kind of what maybe the NRA as a industry advocacy group was doing, right? They saw an opportunity in President Obama that, you know, favored more strict gun control, not outright prohibition, as a boon for industry, as a boon for you know, yeah, create a boogeyman. You know, fire, firearm manufacturers. So in the in the three last three years of the Clinton administration, uh, this is again this is you know end uh, kick FBI background check totals. So this is not a hundred percent of firearms, but it's a rough proxy for it. So the last three years of the Clinton administration, eight point two million people per year on average uh, triggered the FBI background check database. That number increased slightly during the eight years of the Bush administration to eight point four. Um, again, average FBI checks per year. But then the first two years of the Obama administration, that number went from eight point four a year, eight point four million a year, to ten point six million a
0: year. That's a great data point, and that is a hundred percent a reaction of people stockpiling. There was, there was a twenty
1: percent. I think he's going to take
0: their guns. Like this is not going to happen, and and th- this this intellectual dishonesty to win points and these ulterior motives. As much as I'm like upset about people who behave this way and when they have the bullhorn, I'm equally as upset at the public for being so fucking lazy to let people get away with this shit and just to just believe what they hear. Right. And the other thing is, is you got to, I mean, you got to pick, I mean,
1: so, so not only these things are important to policy debates, but y- you have to have the debate about what matters regarding guns, right? Because over 90% of gun related homicides are not mass shooting events that you hear about like Las Vegas or San Antonio, right? They are single homicide events, right? One person is killed by a gun. A lot of those stem back to domestic violence. A lot of those stand back to gang activity. But that still is the overwhelming, again, over 90% of people killed are killed. That's the only person killed in the event. So are are we concerned about only these mass shooting events right. like Columbine or like Virginia Tech? Or do we care about the total number of people killed? You know, because they have totally different implications on what policy we need to implement, right? right? So so it's, it's one thing to say high-capacity magazines will prohibit. The next Sandy Hook, okay, maybe right, sure. Let's accept that as is fact. Whatever. It's still it, there's still going to be thousands of Americans killed every year by gun violence, right? That's not going to change a single bit of domestic violence, family violence, gang activity. It's right. it, all those people are still going to and, die. And, and that article,
0: that five. 38 article is really good at touching on this. And it just makes you think, I don't care what your position is. it. I think it's a great article to jump off from, to have an honest intellectual discussion. Because if you're running a business or solving any problem and you say 90% of the problem is A, 10% of the problem is B, well, we can drive the most impact by focusing on A first. right? If 90% of gun homicides are these one-offs like, and we want to take gun homicides down, let's focus there. Now, And and if if you say that's the issue, right, if you say that uh, most of it is crime related, right, or
1: domestic violence related, right, let's focus on background checks, right, and and make that very clear that, like, I am targeting a specific outcome that I want to avoid, and here's a solution that I think will address that, right, and will this stop – Someone from putting 23 guns in a suite in Las Vegas? No, it won't, right? Sorry. It, this, this particular policy prescription is directed at the 90% of people that are killed by firearms in this country. And yes, people are still going to be killed, right? This is not a one-size-fits-all solution. As tough as that is to admit, I'm trying to fix part of the problem.
0: And I, and I think the other thing here, and not to come across as wildly insensitive, but you can't legislate away tragedy. Right. So if there's an individual who has, you know, obeyed all the laws, has no record and it's, just wants to.
1: It's the war on drugs. Right. I mean, drug dealers will always be one one step in front in front of police well, and that, crazy people will always be one step. Yeah. In I mean, front you just of, can't, yeah. if you don't have a you can't record, plan for
0: everything, you can't plan for everything. And, that, and look, I'm not diminishing the tragedy of this. And I'm not saying we don't we shouldn't do more. And I'm not saying that there aren't things we can do better. But there seems to be at times, in the, and this is the extreme arguments, we're talking about those people who live in the, extre- in the extremes, on the right and on the left, this sort of you know, knee-jerk reaction, let's not talk about it, let's not acknowledge any of the concerns on, on either side. Um, on the on the right from the left in this example that I'm giving, and, and let's just let's draft more legislation, let's create more restriction. Fine, we can do that. Um, but then what happens when the next thing inevitably comes around? Because it's it's going to right, it's going to happen. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not taking a position necessarily on anything. Okay. I'm I'm only asking, and I would love to see on television, you know, where people where people are you know are watching and the experts are opining some type of intellectual honesty. Where people who disagree can say, you know, I I I see that, I respect that, and my response to that is this: instead of just chipping talking points at each other, yeah, for and, some, and then b- frankly, some I think scorecard,
1: and I think that most Americans are more aligned. And the kind of the polling data, should, you know, proves this out that most Americans from both sides of the aisle are 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 more towards the middle. Not that they agree on everything, but they they agree on some things, and I think that politicians. Have ran to their corners and driven many people to follow them, uh, off into the distance where there will never be a solution to anything.
0: Yeah. So that was a good talk. Good talk. I think, uh, we're going to take all the guns away from people and give them muskets and that'll just handle the whole situation. Uh, don't, don't shoot. See the white of their eyes. Yeah. So last topic, I I swore we talked about this, but Dylan says we didn't, so we'll talk about it again. And if we did talk about it, then tweet at us at politics schmucks or hit us on Facebook or whatever, but Rod's from God.
2: And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord. When I lay my
0: vengeance upon thee. Oh yeah, rods from God. Rods from God. Rods from God is a so for so so, so the Outer Space Treaty was signed in
1: 1967 and prohibited uh, us and 106 other countries from deploying nuclear, biological, or chemical weapons from being placed in or
0: used from Earth's orbit. Good, love it. Probably. A- Good thing to do. Let's not rain down nukes on each other from from the moon. But Americans, as crafty people that we are, were thinking, well, how can we use some type of destructive force from the sky that circumvents this treaty? And we came up with rods from God, which were telephone pole-sized tungsten rods. So I think 20 feet long,
1: about a foot in diameter.
0: Yep, that would be dropped from low Earth orbit or some such thing, science, hashtag science. And would just build, you know, velocity through gravity and physics. Get about, get, a, get to like Mach 10. Yeah. Well, there's such a thing as terminal velocity. But um, they would strike with such force. I don't know what the kiloton yield equivalent was. But multiple nuclear bomb levels of yields. And scientists can talk specifics. But without any radioactive fallout. And all just from um, velocity and mass. Combining on the Earth, and they called it rods from God. Now, at the time, the cost of flying a rod from God up to God was cost prohibitive. So, to make sure we're just comparing apples to apples here, right? So,
1: a single Minuteman ICBM, right? If you use inflation and everything, is between sixty-seven million dollars a piece, sixty-two seventy. Excuse me. So, is that worth it? Is a two hundred million dollar rod from God
0: worth three to four X? Yeah. What an I C B M is well, Yeah, definitely. Why? The penetration. You gotta penetrate. Everything is underground now. We need to penetrate the enemy. We need to penetrate their mountains. We need to penetrate their psyche. We need to penetrate their militaries. So this this was brought up, but it was
1: like deemed in two thousand six when the Bush administration considered it to deal with again our friends in Iran. Maybe not the best thing to do. Why? Again, the cost of fucking getting these things into space was enormous.
0: It's two JSF. We're going to build thousands of these things. We can't build six less, put three rods in the sky. Think how many JSFs, I think how
1: many Americans are employed by that JSF program.
0: It's That's con- a totally different argument. We're it's, not talking defense a, industrial it's base. A, it's we're talking, a Congress thing. We're talking, we're talking outcomes. We're talking winning wars. All right.
1: Well, how else can
0: we penetrate the enemy? I don't know, the Russians penetrated the shit out of us through the internet, so I guess we could do that too. Twitter?
1: Interesting story is the, uh, the Russians apparently during the Cold War built all their command and control facilities underneath Moscow knowing the Americans would not penetrate Moscow's population center. Hmm. I feel like... Do you think, th- do you think the Soviets would have penetrated New York City?
0: Oh, 100%. They would have penetrated the shit of us. But I think maybe Jimmy Carter wouldn't have penetrated Moscow, but... I think, uh, I think Reagan would have penetrated the shit out of it. So Reagan would have Nixon was, Nixon would have penetrated Reagan it. Reagan was a good penetration guy. <laughs> How many times can we use penetration in one like five-minute segment? Anyway, we'll stop right there before we get in trouble. We'll wrap it up, pun intended. Oh, I nailed that. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 107. Nailed it. Penetration. Wrap it up. <laughs> thanks for listening to episode 107 of the Political Schmucks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Politic Schmucks. Rate or, us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Only the finest ratings, please. We, we don't need the uh, kick to the junk with any bad news. Uh, I'm living a day-to-day life as it is. Uh, Facebook, you can hit us and leave only positive comments at Politics Schmuck, the Political Schmuck Podcast. I don't even know what our Facebook page is. It's, that's on you, man. Yeah, uh, whatever. You'll uh, Google us just, or not. Just, I, don't I don't care. Just, just finished up and say happy yeah. birthday to the Marine Corps. Yeah, happy birthday, yeah. birthday, yeah, happy birthday yeah. Five, November 10th, 1775, Tun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Home of Heroes. I like it like
2: that. I'm dick to her neck and her back hurting. Cut through to have you like a brand new version. It's like when she get used to it, then you start serving. Hop up on top and so jiggy jiggy jerkin'. Slow down for me. But you moving too fast. My fingers keep slipping. I'm trying to grip that ass. Keep being hard-headed and I'm going to make you get on me. Got a human up disguise but my face is a dog. If you love it, my fault. Let me bury my bone. I got four or five bad married bitches at home. One of my bitches fell in love with that outside dick. That outside I did keep them hoes sick, like I like it like that sheep working that back. I don't know how to act, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, moving, slow motion for me. I like it like that sheep working that back. I don't know how to act, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, moving slow me.